and welcome to the American Scouser Podcast. I am your host, Simuchin, from Chicago, where we just had ridiculous tornado last night. Uh, literally like 10, 15 minutes from us, so I, I can report. I didn't do it on Facebook. I will uh, mention myself as safe uh, from that so over here, so that's nobody panics. But I already got a couple of phone calls. With us today, uh, one of our usuals is here, Irish Jamie. What's happening, I'm Jamie? Ah, uh, it's not too bad. No hurricanes in North Carolina just yet, but uh, there's always the chance. <laughs> I was going to say keyword is not yet, Yeah, <laughs> especially over there. Yeah, I mean, this one just came out of nowhere last night, man, around like midnight. It was kind of <laughs> semi-scary. And with us this week, replacing Paul, which should not be a tough duty at all, Chris, uh, is one of our newest contributors is Chris Gallivan. Chris, how's it going? I'm doing great, guys. Thanks for having me on the podcast. Oh, uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, Chris is actually uh, on our website right now covering the our boys who are playing in the Euro, which has kind of been like scattered here and there and stuff. Uh, I can, I guess, thank Turkey for making freaking Shakiri look good, but let's not even open <laughs> that can of worms. Okay, so let's start with our usual stuff. Then I figured we can kind of talk about uh, Euros a little bit. Uh, I kind of wanted to go back to talking about how our boys are doing as well. And then there's some transfer news and rumors. We'll kind of touch up on those. I try to not focus too much on the rumor part of things because we can probably record like a five-hour podcast if we go over every single rumor. But let's start with our regular 60-second recap with Jamie. Jamie and go. Well, folks, it's the Reds opening three games and they've uh, been announced, but they've also been rescheduled for broadcasting purposes so that is the norwich game on august 14th um uh, away at norwich uh louis suarez is going to really miss that one uh, at home to burnley 21st of august that's been rescheduled as well for broadcasting purposes and at home to chelsea on the 28th uh also released this week have been the fantasy premier league prices so all you fantasy players out there watch out because alison becker is only six million Trent is seven and a half. Bobby is nine. And Salah with a whopping 12.5 million uh, British pounds sterling. Um, I know I love to give the Brits a bit of grief, but we do deal in their currency when it comes to football anyway. And of course, the news released today that Sepp is back at Preston. So fair play to him. And that's the news. So out of those, Chris, I mean, if you're, are you a fantasy guy? I, I am a fantasy guy, yeah. So who are you investing in out of those prices? So uh, I looked over the list myself. I'm definitely, uh, I'm actually, I finished twice in the last three years in the top 15,000 overall. Oh, um, what? <laughs> so there's no question that I am going to do what I do every year, which is put Salah on my roster and then just find a way to afford it. Uh, he's a set it and forget it captain. But I think that uh, Kanate could be the steal at five and a half million. Any way you can get into Liverpool's back line um, at under six million, you're doing really well. So that might be how I invest some of my funds if I can't stump up for one of the amazing fullbacks that are really wingers. Jamie, you're the main fantasy guy on the websites. Uh, who are you going with over there? Purported. I mean, <laughs> uh, I'm nowhere near that level, though, Chris. That's amazing. Second, fair play to you, man. Um, I think my best, I was like one, one time years and years ago, I think it was like for a week, I was in the top 1500 in England and I, that was, that was all I could muster. But anyway, um, yeah, I mean, 
Salah, 12, 12 and a half million, whatever it is. I think it was 12 last year. He's he's going to be up there with um, probably most pick captain every week. Um, of course, Becker at 6 million. That, that'll be nice if we can uh, string together a few clean sheets this year. Yeah, I tried that fantasy thing last year, man. I don't know. It was going good where I have like a strategy set up. I think I'm used to more fantasy football for like NFL mm-hmm. where it's like once a week occasion. You know, you get the Thursday curveball. But apart from that, it's pretty standard. Man, once freaking the schedule gets tight with the Premier League with midweek games and stuff, that's where I lost the end of mine. And I wondered what the boys are doing. I should probably go back and check out that team, how it ended up. But I abandoned them somewhere around Christmas. So, <laughs> uh, so let's get to our trivia for the week. Uh, first off, thank God he's not here because he'll be gloating old podcasts. But Paul Bickler actually nailed it last week with his guest. Uh, it was Ronaldo, wasn't it? Wasn't his guest? Yeah, he went for, he went for Ronnie, yeah. And uh, yes, he nailed that one. So he was dead on. So I got to give him that. I thought uh, Buffon or some Italian was, was definitely going to do me well. But anyway, of course it was Ronaldo. <laughs> He's just went and beaten Platini's record as well now. Dude, uh, I mean, I'm looking. I was trying to get like a, another question for this week's trivia. And shit, I mean, it's hard to find one that doesn't have Ronaldo on there. So I was like going through all these records trying to find one where the answer would not be Ronaldo. And- okay, well, I, I've got a little jokey one. Let me just throw a week. A week. When Ronaldo moved the Coke bottles, right? How much did Coca-Cola lose in share? billion. Yes, the Gucci got it, right? We're, we're, we're watching Wade, or reading into way too much uh, football articles in our spare time, obviously. That is crazy. And then I saw Pogba move the beer. And honestly, I did not know that he was Muslim until yeah. that. Uh, that's when I found out, like, I was like, what's with the beer? Mm. Like, is it against alcohol kind of thing? Um, and then I saw another video where the Russian dude just opened the Coke and started drinking it. Yeah, but 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 the key thing there is he didn't just open it. He used yeah. other bottles to open it, he did which is a typical, school, which yeah. is a yeah, like that is perfect. Like that's OG material. It was old school, but having seen today's results, maybe Ronaldo was right after all. You don't want to freaking drink Coke before a game. So <laughs> let's go with today's trivia. Uh, I'm going to ask a multiple one. Let's see if you guys can get this. So, Jamie, we will start with you. Uh, the trivia is in the Euros again. We're kind of going with that theme probably this entire month's podcasts. Uh, the youngest. So this one should be easier because it just happened. And then I have a follow up one. So it's like a two question in honor of Chris's appearance over here. <laughs> so uh, the youngest player to play in the Euros and the youngest player to play in the final in the Euros. Ooh. The youngest one just happened a few days ago. Oh, it wouldn't have been one of the Welsh lads. Um, was it? Oh, I'm not sure. Oh, God, you've got me under the gun here. And I've got home field advantage here, Chris. We actually been... broke that record uh, twice this Euros. It's, uh, I'm not going to give anything away, but one player broke it. He was the youngest. Then literally like two, three days later, it was broken again. My God! Well, I clearly wasn't watching those games. I should be, <laughs> should be, should be well, ashamed. You were watching of... one of them. I guarantee you, you were watching one of them. Uh, Scott, Scotland? No, 
Uh, I don't know. I'm going to go for one of the West sides. I'm just, I'm, I'm pulling a complete blank right now. So I'm going to go for Nico, which is wrong. But um, uh, youngest player to play in a final. Yeah, that's one. Oh, that's a difficult one. Oh, oh. Um, it's not going to be Pulisic. Oh, I don't know. I'm drawing a blank. Skip, I pass. I feel. Chris, what do you have? I got you to stop this one. My uh, so the, the youngest player, I'm almost positive <clears throat> it was during the Poland match. But I don't believe I'll know his name. But it, I want to say it was like 17 or 18-year-old teenager from Poland, wasn't it? Was it? Okay. How about- <laughs> I, 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 if I just butcher his name, I, I can just, you know, make a name up and just be, you know, derogatory and just say ski at the end and try to act like I'm pulling it off to be Polish. But the truth of that matter is, is I do not know that man's name. How about in a final? What's your guess for that one? I'll give you guys a clue later as I reveal the answer. See if you guys can get you got it. Everybody on tender hooks. Yeah, everybody's on Google right now, probably as they're listening to it. Oh, no <laughs> if it, so, save Google and save your bandwidth. We'll reveal the answer in like 15, 20 minutes here uh, in our next segment. So, let's start talking about the Euros. We're almost at the end of the group stages. Uh, Turkey has already demolished all my dreams over here. So it's almost good. Put me out of my misery. So I don't have to worry about that anymore. Uh, so, Jamie, let's start with you. The team that you're probably most impressed with in terms of how they're playing so far. I know some of them only have played twice. So this is kind of a bit trickier. But so far from what you've seen. I mean, apart from watching the Liverpool lads and Jada scoring and assisting and still managing to come off four goals to two. Um, yeah, I, I've, I've been impressed with usual suspects. Um, Germany, we're obviously going to grow into the tournament. The Italians came in in form uh, and are looking well. The French are the French star studded, uh, already fighting in camp going on. Um, so, yeah, it's all kind of panning out, really, isn't it? Uh, the Spanish have been, I guess, and the, on the on the flip side of things, have been have been shocking. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's sad to see Turkey go. Um, good to see the Welsh getting in through there, but uh, yeah, it's getting into the thick of things now. But um, France surely are destined to win it, aren't they? Like, although everybody's talking about Italy. Yeah, it's going to be um, – Italy has definitely been surprising. How about you, Chris? I mean, so far from, like, the games you've seen. Yeah, I I, uh, I would definitely say that I think Italy's been the most impressive uh, side over two lengths, you know, over two legs of this tournament playing in two match days, even though they played their third one. But really the most important part about Italy is just the fact that they actually look like they have the dimension that usually – uh, holds them back, which is scoring goals. And they look like Mancini has them playing with a verb and a, and a freshness. And the youngsters in Italy don't look like they want to hear about uh, 75-year-old defenders. They want to hear about attacking football and getting on the front foot. I think Chiro Immobile and uh, Insigne are done hearing that they're not you know, class strikers, um, especially Immobile, you know, playing at Lazio, you know, the Dortmund folks, 
uh, posted it was the worst transfer ever. And he has proceeded to basically outscore every player on their team since he's left their club. Um, you know, I think Isak would probably say the same thing about Dortmund. They may give up on strikers a little early. So their um, side of it, I think, was a little tough. The other one, I, I think Germany and Portugal, the hardest part is, is in one match, they looked like they could win this tournament. And in the other match, they didn't look like they deserved to finish third in the group of death. Um, so, you know, for me, they're like Jekyll and Hyde. I expect both of them to be there. Um, probably to break England's heart, one of the two of them in the next round, to be honest. Um, and then I, I agree with Jamie Wales. The other one, too, I think we're not giving any credit to Finland. I think Finland showed up, was supposed to get zero points and did everything today except for give up a late goal that would have seen them qualify based on that Denmark result. And, you know, lastly, let's just say it, Denmark's been the most impressive because they showed up and played two more matches after dealing with what they dealt with on the pitch. Yeah, I thought the Finland celebrations, Jamie knows, I'm kind of like rooting against Finland right now, so I was almost like uh, happy to see them. But I mean, let's face it, uh, yeah, they, they were expected to have nothing points, kind of like how Turkey ended up, uh, but really they beat they didn't really team. deserve they, to get their first three points anyway did they yeah exactly i mean they played against like a team that was dead inside so i don't even know if i'm awarding them those points in my <laughs> so um i do agree with italy i think one thing i see from italy is it feels like they're the most complete team uh in terms of like you know you look at their defense you look at their midfield and then like you're saying chris like their attackers look like they are the real deal or at least they're playing like they have a point to prove i think which really helps uh it's almost like i mean i always was i was talking about this in our like uh podcast with my brother that we do uh about when we were talking about turkey some countries do not do well when the expectations are there and turkey is one of them you got to go in as an underdog and you got to just amaze everybody, surprise everybody. That's when they do well. And I think that kind of plays in Italy's favor in some ways, even though they're like a home team in some ways mm -hmm. in most of these games. I think they've been overlooked. Uh, everybody has talked more about, uh, you know, like France and Germany and stuff like that, even like Belgium. So I think they're kind of benefiting a bit from that too. They're kind of like playing with like a chip on their shoulder, which has been kind of like nice to see. I mean, I know even when they played their backups in that last game for the most part against Wales, I mean, the system is there. They're relentless pressing with like two, three players at a time and stuff. It's pretty impressive to watch. So they've definitely been there. I feel like France has the most weapons. I know Dembele mm -hmm. wants out now, I think, for the tournament. But still, I mean, you look at the depth and they have a lot of talent, but Maybe that all that drama Jamie's talking about is kind of like affecting them as well. But I mean, if you think about it, they struggle against the Hungary team, but so did Portugal. They could not open up that defense. And if you look at all these home games, that's one of the things that I think Turkey, for example, counted on, like, you know, playing in Baku the last two games, or it's going to be like a home game. The only time I really felt the home crowd has had an impact on the game has been those games in Hungary. In Budapest, where that stadium is jam-packed, whereas in Baku, yeah, like most of the fans were Turkish, but it's still like only like a quarter of the stadium or whatever it is. You just, I mean, you hear the chants, but it's not the kind that's going to impact what's happening on the field or the players on the field. So, so in terms of players, and I want to kind of like eventually tie this mm -hmm. to Liverpool as well. But Chris, let's start with you on this time. I mean, if you picked 
players that you've been maybe like impressed with and players that you've been underwhelmed with, I guess. Sure. So, um, you know, I don't want to, um, we don't want to pound down Turkey, so I'll get this one out of the way early. I tried to avoid them. Oh, completely. you can pound away, man. I've been I, pounding on them all I, day yesterday. <laughs> I, I, I have been not, I was not impressed at all. And I came into this tournament thinking they were a legitimate dark horse. I know me and you had been, um, you know, messaging back and forth about it leading up to it. Um, really disappointed with their defense as a whole, as a unit, and extremely disappointed in the young goalkeeper. And to be honest, to be as Liverpool was so um, rumored to be connected with him for the last couple of years with all of these ideas of bids and maybe he'd become the backup or they would look for an investment long term. He doesn't look like a top flight goalkeeper that would survive in the English Premier League to me. His positioning was appalling at times. And, you know, that Shakiri goal was beautiful, but you can't you can't get beat to your far post like that in that spot. You know, he just dragged the ball across the entire body. So to me, I would honestly say uh, um, the keeper for Turkey has been one of the most um, that jumps out to me. As far as players that I've been impressed with, you know, I, I truly believe that Romelu Lukaku has basically put himself in the shop window as the second best striker in the world. Um, probably behind Lewandowski. And I understand there's players like Mbappe that play on wings. Um, but what Lukaku does for Inter, how he's improved his game since he went to Italy, and what he does for Belgium is just such uh, an amazing amount. Um, and then lastly, I believe that Kevin De Bruyne is probably the best player in the world, um, all around right now, hands down. And his impact from the second half when he subbed on until now um, makes me think Belgium has a shot to win this. How about you, Jamie? Uh, obviously, I'm going to pick the Liverpool players. Um, Robo's been fantastic, but we we know all this already, right? Right. Except for Genie. Um, I'm not over Genie. I'm <laughs> I'm nowhere near close over Genie Wijnaldum. Um, today he's just uh, eclipsed. Uh, uh, what do you call the 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 uh, not Cruyff. He's eclipsed one of the the Dutch famous goal scorers. Um, who the bloody hell was it? Um, I forget. It's not Cruyff. Uh, one of the other brilliant ones. Who? Van Basten. Yeah, yeah. He just fucking eclipsed Van Basten today. Um, Marco Van Basten. One of the sexiest goals you'll ever see. That volley in the far corner. Um, yeah. He's just a clip fan bastard today. Uh, nowhere near over Genie. I don't know. I mean, other other teams have, have done brilliant. Um, like Chris said, uh, Belgium, Lukaku, and De Bruyne. Um, but yeah, Genie stood out for me <laughs> today. Anyway, I think some of the I definitely agree with like Belgium. I think they're like a fun team to watch. And yeah, Kevin De Bruyne is freaking ridiculous. That you know. I mean, if they gave me like one player to add, and I know he has some injury issues here and there, but man, the, the kid is unreal. How Chelsea let that kid go is beyond <laughs> me. But then again, you know, they have a record of letting a bunch of guys go like that, including Mo. So, um, yeah, I think in terms of performances, yeah, I mean, disappointment, I can make you a huge list out of like Turkey, obviously, but it, it was shocking. Like, I, it's funny that you mentioned the goalie because. Uh, that defense, I think Mayor Demerol, especially from Juventus, uh, has mm. been extremely disappointing. 
but I put a lot of that on the coach and all that kind of stuff. So I feel like there's a lot more to that, but the goalie definitely, especially with like some of the backups they brought with him, like a kid like Altai who plays for Fenerbahce, who a lot of European teams is rumored to go to Ajax for like 15 million or something like that, which is a ridiculous amount for, I mean, for a young goalie that has only played for Fenerbahce for a couple of years and stuff. But um, in terms of, I've been impressed with a lot of like, you know, young players that you kind of see in Embolo, for example, in Switzerland, that kid is something that kid is, I was uh, talking to in our discord channel or everything that I was hoping Divac would evolve into uh, in terms of, it feels like they have the same physical gifts, doesn't it? They have the, the speed, the agility, the size, but the kid uses that size and he's been like a handful every game I watched him even, even against Italy. So uh, that's about like out of like the younger players. I've been impressed with a lot, you know, Hungary has like that kid on the left wing, uh, a lot of good young players that are kind of playing for mid-level teams, I should say, even if they're in like in the Bundesliga and stuff like that. So it will be interesting to see what happens after the Euros and if these kids end up going anywhere so speaking of young kids let's come back to our trivia over here that jamie just threw the towel in i was disappointing with no paul here to take advantage of uh so let's see you did have that player right actually billingham was the one who broke the record initially in this tournament as the youngest player to appear and then i think like three or four days later casper kozlowski casper <laughs> was the player honestly man i don't bl- i remembered hearing him go in and being like you know actually they even talked about how billingham was the youngest one and the record is broken again in a few days but yeah i'm amazed you even got the k because i was just unless you just guessed it because the polish <laughs> so the youngest player in the final let me guys give you guys a hint and see if you guys can pull it off that way a lot of rumors about us being interested in him. I don't know if it is like real or more, you know, a lot of fans I know say, hey, why don't we give him a run? Is that Coutinho? <laughs> can't, can't finish a podcast. We can play this game all night long. Rumor. We can play this game all night long. Fecker. Uh... <laughs> he is actually, he's been in the Premier League. Didn't pan out. He came with huge aspirations, young kid. He's still, like, he was 18 years old, almost 19 at the time. Plays for Portugal. Come on, people. Very recent. It was in 2016. Wow, Felix. Who? Felix. Renato Sanchez. Yes, Sanchez. Felix was actually a good shot, but I don't think he was there uh, in the last He didn't make the squad, did he? Yes. It is Renato Sanchez. He was well done, 18 Chris. years, 327 days. Uh, Chris, Paul is a competition over here with these trivias. Then. Okay, so <laughs> we got that out of the way. Let's go back to our boys. And so having watched, let me ask you guys this way. Having watched them play, has any of the players with their performance changed your opinion of them? Chris, let's start with you. Um, I'll say that it hasn't changed my opinion, though I've been very impressed with what Shakiri's been able to do, especially in that last match. Um, granted, there were some, fel- as we 
message back and forth. There was a little bit of fault on not closing him down, especially on the wonder goal to the upper right-hand corner. Um, I just feel like it isn't going to change my opinion of him because I don't think it will change what Liverpool does with him based on how Jurgen Klopp sets up his team. And I never saw Shakiri fitting at his highest skill sets because when he plays for his country, he plays in the 10 role under the strikers and it allows him to float. And in our setup, he's asked to either play out wide or he's asked to do something that he can't do, which is an engine like job in the midfield. And I found it fitting in the first game that as soon as they had a lead to protect, the first guy subbed off was Shakiri. Um, and the, and the manager for Switzerland actually said, we put on the players who give us the best chance to win. We had a lead. Therefore the best chance to win was taking him off. And I feel like that is something Jurgen Klopp would never say, but thinks about every time he doesn't pick Shakiri to start. And I just, maybe the shop window's getting warmed up. Maybe the price tag's going up a little bit. Um, and I just think that Shakiri is probably going to find himself actually playing meaningful minutes next year for someone other than Switzerland during international breaks. How about you, Jamie? Any opinion changes after what you've seen over the last two weeks or so? Um, no. Uh, Chris pretty much put the nail on the head there with Shakiri, didn't he? That was fantastic. Um, no, I think you're absolutely right, too. Um, 100% spot on. Um, I wouldn't say impressed, but just just continually impressed um, by people like Jada, uh, Robertson, Genie. Um, yeah, it, it's been good watching even the, the younger kids for, for Wales. Um, Wilson and Nico are both in the shop window now too. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, let's talk about that a little bit, actually, uh, before I go back to Shakira and give you guys my take. What do you guys think about the words coming out today that Nico kind of like wants out to obviously like get some more playing time? He knows he's not going to, you know, get it where Trent, while Trent is there. Uh, what do you make of that, Jamie? I mean, I know, yeah. I know we talked about it on an episode uh, with Paul when we were going over the homegrown players. And we kind of figured, you know, he would stay just because of those numbers alone and not be loaned out. So with him allegedly wanting out, uh, what do you say? I'm, I'm not altogether sold on the idea. Um, I think Nico probably should have stayed, um, which just tells you that I don't know. Possibly Joe Gomez's situation is a lot better than we think it is. Maybe he will be able to cover Trent at right back um, and with Kanade coming into centre back. Um, and maybe Matip's rehab's gone on a little better mm -hmm. than we all have hoped as well. Uh, not to mention our centre half, our number four. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Um, initially, still not altogether sold on the idea of Nico going. Because um, I'd love the idea to give Trent some minutes off. But if we have the younger lads like uh, young Bradley in there as well, I don't know. I, it just tells me that we know nothing, you know, <laughs> like, you know, maybe the maybe the three center backs are coming back stronger than we hope. That was like one of the things I remember like talking about it. And I, you know, when I was kind of like trying to make the case for keeping Kabak, that was one of the things because similar to Gomez, he can also play right back. And that would give us 
I don't know. I just hope that you're not making the same mistake when we let players go where the person you rely on is normally not somebody you can rely on. I mean, I love Gomez, but obviously he has like an injury history uh, over his like young career. So I just hope, you know, we're not like, oh, we got Gomez, worst comes to worst. And then Gomez is out anyway. Now if something happens to Trent or we need Trent to rest, there is really then lo and behold, Milner is going to be playing right back again or something like that or Hendo or somebody. And I know a lot of people have said like Fabinho, obviously, uh, has played like right back for Brazil and stuff in the past. Uh, but yeah, I just, it scares me when we let someone go with not good enough coverage. What is your take on that, Chris? Uh, I, I, I always struggle with, and we were messaging about this earlier. I, I struggle with Klopp's use of his bench and I struggle with the way that he rotates. And I think it leads players to become disillusioned to think they have to leave to get playing time. And I think that's what's happening with Nico right now. I think a young man got a start at the Euros played pretty well and said to himself, I can't go back and only make eight appearances next year. If five of them are late substitutes from the bench. And I just think that it's important that as we build the squad, that people realize that some of these guys got to get minutes to play because they got to want and know. And I think looking at Trent makes him think, you know, Klopp's not moving him forward. He's going to keep him in the in that fullback role because that's what he wants. He wants his wide fullbacks, you know, creating the width and creating the play. And I just think that a team like Southampton might be able to get in Nico's ear and let him know, you know, you're going to play here. You're going to get 15 Premier League starts, cup games. We're going to play you and we're going to promote you. And as long as there's a sell-on clause and or buyback options, um, I think they might have the cover in Gomez. And I don't know if you guys saw Jamie Carragher's article today. I think it was in The Guardian talking about how they might have to think about using guys like Alex, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain at fullback with the idea that he presses forward, he can defend, he's athletic enough, and it will get him minutes where he's fallen down the pecking order in the midfield rank. So, you know, I, I, I think that we might get 10, 15 million, and that's a big profit on a player who's done very little in his top flight career. So what does Ox think about that, though? Isn't that why Ox exactly left Arsenal and come to us? Because they were using him in that role. That's why I heard about that. And then I was like, I mean, is Ox reading that saying, what the hell? I mean, that's not why I came here. Or at this point, he is like, well, if I'm going to get minutes, that's the only way. But I feel like a healthy Ox will get time on this roster. Um, yeah. And I also think a healthy Ox, and we're not talking about him playing right back. And that's, that's oh, what I mean. Yeah, no I think a healthy Ox would be useful in that midfield and the attacking role. We've seen what he can do. I mean, if you go back, even, you know, in the season we won the title, you look at, you know, like highlights or like bowl reels for the entire season. He's involved in a lot of goals that year that, you know, we don't think of it maybe in terms of number of appearances. But in that role, he's very valuable. It's, it's just that he cannot be relied on because of injuries. I just feel Before bad for the- Sorry, Chris. Oh, oh, uh, I was just going to say, before before the massive injury against Manchester City in the Champions League quarterfinal at Anfield, where his knee was just – and you saw it. The moment he hit the ground, you knew. I felt like the young man was about to kick on to the point where he was going to be one of the first names on the team sheet each and every week. You know, we all talk about how we were all excited for Naby Keita to finally get here after waiting a year. And I feel like Oxley chamberlain spent that year saying, 
I'm going to make it so that Nabby's two rungs down when he gets here. And yeah. it would have been so much harder for Nabby to find time had Ox been healthy coming off that Champions League run. Because uh, I really believe in that run to the final against Madrid, you could argue Ox was the best player on Liverpool's roster the second half of the season outside of Salah and Van Dijk. Yeah, they, they both have similar traits, don't they? They love to, 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 to be that bull in midfield and break the line and, and, and drag the game by the scruff of the neck like Stevie G. But um, what I was going to say was you, you just have to feel a wee bit bad for Nico Williams, don't you? Like he he's at a team like Liverpool who, with all due respect to the Liverpool that was 10 years ago, pre-clap, six years ago, five years ago, you know, we are a different team. We're a, a force to be reckoned with again. Um, and he's behind Trent Alexander-Arnold, one of the best homegrown English talents at at his position. Um, he is a, a great young player. He's a, a, a international, as we've all seen. Um, and I, I hate to admit, Chris, but you're probably right. Teams like Southampton are going to be luring him in with the promise of game time. And he, through no fault of his own, he's he's come through the ranks at Liverpool, who just happens to have a fantastic right-back, a young right-back there. Um, I'd, I'd hate to see his progression halted, but um, you're probably right. He probably needs to go elsewhere. I think it's just like, like, like we were talking earlier, the homegrown... Player number is my main concern, I guess, when it comes to that. And it kind of sucks when we get out of these, you know, like the League Cup and stuff like that early, because then these guys get no playing time and opportunity at all. Not that I care as much about winning the League Cup or anything. I more care about, you know, getting these guys playing time, getting out there. Because, I mean, we've talked about this before in terms of, I mean, my only criticism of club is probably the fact of the use of the subs uh we were talking amongst ourselves earlier like in our discord channel and i mean i brought up the example of that you know the game where we beat crystal palace 7-0 and we still i mean we were up five or something like that by like the 55th or 60th minute and we still did not bring players on to like 75th and stuff like that and we brought moen in the second half instead of maybe divok at the time who maybe just needs more minutes to kind of like open it up. He's Bickler's favorite player, as we all know. So I just, yeah, it, it's just, that's sometimes it gets frustrating. I know this season is probably not a good season to talk about that afterwards, just because we were barely putting the pieces together to be able to get, especially defensively to get like a semi-cohesive unit out there. But in the past, I think we've seen that over and over again, where we kind of, it's like Klopp likes a smaller squad mm-hmm. and to be able to, you know, shorter rotation, if you will, as opposed to having, you know, like, like plugging in multiple pieces, like a team like city does and stuff like that. Uh, so, which kind of, kind of brings me to our, my next thing it's going to make it really difficult for us to attract a highly sought after player in the transfer markets when we're not going to be able to offer him any minutes. Right, Chris, especially if you're looking at the attacking player, knowing they're not going to probably start ahead of Mane or Mo, both players who throw a fit the moment they get taken out. Yeah. And I, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, you know, uh, you know, Taki Minamino was a prime example. We've had cup games and he'd start him on the bench 
and he'd start Salah and Firmino. And I think to myself, like, why are two starters in a League Cup game and this kid is on the bench? Now, maybe he's not the right level. Maybe he's not good enough for this, and Klopp knows it from training. But then you go to the podium and you say you're going to give minutes. You He's doing everything right. We want him to play. He's going to play a big role here. Yet he doesn't get the minutes to show it on the pitch. And I think people see that. And I think it is going to be difficult. You know, we heard that Pats and Daka turned us down because of minutes. If a player from Austria is turning down Liverpool Football Club outside of minutes to go to Leicester City, by the way, where he's just going to sit behind Jamie Vardy and Ian Acho, by the way, at the beginning. So I didn't understand that move. But he, he you know, that's a tough pill to swallow as a Liverpool supporter because we have these ideas of bringing in Jaden Sancho and bringing in Mbappe and bringing in any of these players. Well, how are any of these players going to sign up if they believe they will come in as fifth choice and Bobby isn't going to lose his spot. Sadio and Mo are going to start and Jota has earned the right. If not to be a guaranteed starter, he's on his way to being a guaranteed starter. So I think unfortunately for the next big shoot a drop, we're going to see one of our fab famous three leaf, whether that be Mo, probably Mo or Mane. If a big name is coming in, I, I just don't see how any of them are going to come in knowing how Klopp plays his minutes if they're not guaranteed time to start. And that's exactly why I never thought any of those big names are headed our way, just because, yeah, with that, not only minutes-wise, I think financial-wise, mm -hmm. I don't think we would sign a big name, a big dollar guy without – some kind of a sale. I mean, you're not going to get all that money. You can sell the entire bench, Shakiri or Egan, just do one big, one big package, fill out a van of subs and send them out. You're not going to get that money uh, to cover for like one of these big boys. But uh, so going back to Shakiri, uh, kind of like want to go back on that. I mean, honestly, if you look at the tournaments, it's vintage Shakiri, where physically not strong because somehow everything is in the freaking calves and no, no upper body strength or something uh but you know that kind of gets bullied around and knocks off the ball at times especially in that attacking midfielder role when he's going against stronger defense and midfielders he struggles a lot but then you know he can kind of if he gets a second to kind of look up and you know pass a through ball or crack a shot you know his quality is there so jamie after watching all this Keep or sell for Shakiri? Well, considering I am on now what is classified as an official lightweight and I'm on to my second glass of wine, maybe I'm getting a wee bit misty-eyed here with Shakiri. But I read somewhere that he has scored in the past four tournaments for Switzerland. So that's Euros, World Cup, Euros, World Cup. Um but yeah, no, in all seriousness, I'm, I'm not in the keep Shakiri bandwagon. Um, you can ply me with as much drink as you please. And, uh, and he's still going to be hitting the sidelines for me. Um, even if he goes and does uh, three more overhead kicks or scorpion kicks or bicycle kicks or whatever you want to call them. Um, yeah, just up his market price. And uh, if we can get like 15 million that we pay for him or, didn't we British somewhere on the 13 or something like that? I mean, it yeah. was, it's not like we invested a lot of money in him, but but if we can get anywhere near that, I'm happy. 
don't let his hairline fool you. He has had hair surgery. Maybe, <laughs> we, maybe if he gets more hair follicles implanted, we could get an even bigger price tag. Who knows? And that's the thing I think really depends on if we bring somebody in. And because of the reasons we talked about earlier, I feel like if we do, it would be because we're going with somebody younger for about the same price. And we're kind of like getting our money's worth for Shakiri, like if you're getting like 15 or 20 or something like that. I mean, unless we're going to play Turkey every single week, Shakiri is not going to be that good. Um, I mean, he had all the time in the world against a defense that was all over the place. Like I said, it's just not a good gauge. And I knew it the moment I was watching that game. I was fuming at Turkey at the same time, fuming just at the thought of all the posts coming up saying, why doesn't this guy get more minutes? You know, we should start him and stuff like that. It's like, well, because Turkey is not in the Premier League <laughs> and that defensive line is not in the Premier League and he doesn't play that role in the Premier League because he cannot play our style. Same reason why, let's mention it again, get it out of the room. The Coutinho rumors can go to freaking sleep because it just does not fit the system. We don't have somebody playing behind the striker like that who can have the luxury of not running much. Yeah. <laughs> just playing when the ball gets there. He um, doesn't like to do run. It. He doesn't like to run because his calves are so big they chief each other. Yeah, I was just gonna make a calf comment actually. Uh, <laughs> you know, and, and to be honest, that's another thing. Like I understand it's it's it, there's the funny jokes like Jamie made about the hair plugs and um, there's the funny jokes about the calves, right? We can all make jokes all we want. The problem with Shakari is we're all still leaning back to the Basel days where this like young effervescent stud got his move to Bayern and then it didn't work out there. And he got his move to Inter Milan and it didn't work out there. And when a man has to leave Bayern Munich and Inter Milan and his landing place is Stoke city, that lets you know his level. And I understand we signed him. It was a steal. It was brilliant business because it was cheap and we didn't have much money. And he played a great role and he's had some wonderful moments. The assist in the game against Barcelona, the free kick goal, I think it was last year, the postage stamp in the upper left corner after he had sat for like a month and a half. I didn't even know he was still on the team. He came in, kicks a free kick, you know, top left-hand corner. You're like, and that's why he's on this team. But at the end of the day, he doesn't do enough of what this team requires. And this team requires the effort to be in the midfield. And that guy hasn't put in any effort in his entire career because if he had, he would have reached a minuscule amount of the God-given talent that he has inside those enormous 72-inch calves. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think it's just the work rate that is never going to be there. I almost felt like he would be, because of you know what he can do in terms of what he can create – would be a good player to come off the bench when we're kind of struggling. Plus he has the shot from outside and stuff like that. And yeah. I've been kind of shocked that he is not, he has really not been used in that role very much. And I don't know. I mean, going back to what Jamie's saying, we don't see what happens in practice. I don't know. That's basically Klopp's way of saying, you know, nope, you got to work hard to get more minutes or whatever. Really. We have not gone to him unless we were really desperate. I mean, the Barcelona game, He's, there's no way in hell he's probably playing <laughs> if we didn't have like Bobby and Mo out. 
So it's just been like a coincidence that he has gotten that chance. And yes, he has like a lot of like memorable moments, but so does Divac. And I think we can all agree it's time to kind of see. And I was reading today that he wants to go somewhere where he mm-hmm. can play as well. So let me come to you, Jamie. And I know Bickler is probably in tears listening to this, but how much is good enough to get out of Divac? What kind of an offer do I have to send your way where you just freaking sign it and put it in the outbox? As long as in the small print, there's a stipulation that they will, whoever buys a Rigi has to pay for the statue, a bronze statue. <laughs> I don't give a shit how much. Um, may it be more than 10, may it be more than 20, because literally, I... I and, and going back to what Chris said about Dhaka going to Leicester, I think the onus is on a player like Dhaka or, or, or anyone else, Isaac and anyone else. I think the onus is on them to come to a team like Liverpool and to place Jota. Use Jota as inspiration. Take a look at what Jota's done. Jota came in and people were laughing at us because paid fucking what 40 20 million over whatever five million for four years what whatever we paid for him people were laughing at us he, he art scored marcus rashford last year was it or, or mm-hmm. played half the season like you know what i'm saying this is unbelievable so i guess my point is to, to bring it all back to origi is it's on origi now to to go elsewhere and prove that he's a 20 million uh 20 i won't go as far as to call him a 2020 striker what, what, when Dirk Kuyt come to us, he was touted as a 2020 striker, a 20 goal a season, 20 assist striker. Now, I'm not in the same breath saying that Divock Origi is, is a Dirk Kuyt or anything like that. Right. But I do... I don't think that highly of, Dirk, of, of, of Divock Origi, but I, I think he's on the cusp. If he got the right team, I think he could be a fantastic player. I think what he is, is the right team. Somebody in the Farmers League. Somebody in the French League. Because, <laughs> um, I mean, here's the thing. I mean, he went to, what was it, Wolfsburg? Yeah. And he didn't light the world on fire there either. He yeah. played well at Dortmund in the half season he was there. The first loan that they sent him to Dortmund, he played well there. And then um, that was what Made kind of clap, bring him back and get excited for him. Uh, I think he could do a job at a place like Wolves. I think he could do a job at uh, in the Premier League at even um, one of the promoted clubs. You know, there's a lot of talk that Brentford could lose Tony. Um, I think that's how you pronounce his name. Uh, their prolific striker who led the championship. And I think a club like that could look at a guy like Divac Origi. I think what he needs is... He needs a team that wants to play with a point forward, a true number nine that holds the ball up, uses some strength and runs off of defenders, not behind defenders. Like what he was doing at Liverpool at the beginning before that brutal injury against Everton, where I really believe his entire Liverpool career ended the day that that thug from Everton broke his leg. Um, Cause it set him back two, three years, right when he was starting to take off. And, you know, I think he just needs a fresh start and needs to play 70, 80 minutes a game and know he's the guy. 
the so one you're talking about is when he went to League One, right? Like he went to Lille. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I, he yeah he scored a bunch of goals there, and yeah we were hoping like he you know he is that player, and he came back. He had that injury, went to Wolfsburg, didn't really do well over there, saved their season at the end and stuff. I just like I say, like I was talking about earlier, I watch Mbolo play, and I'm like, man, this is what Divac should be in terms of. I feel like he does not use his body. He plays a different game than what his body is. The dude is big and has the size, but he kind of like plays more like the little fast dude and never uses his body to protect the ball. I almost feel like he might do good on a team like that, maybe in another league where they rely on the counter a lot more because he has that speed and he has the ability to beat people one-on-one. So maybe a team that is like a mid-tier in a league like that, that's going to play a lot of defense and rely on him on the counter, you know, send the ball his way, hope that he, with his speed and stuff, he can beat like the center back on a counter and stuff like that. I mean, really like the kid. And I really thought, I really like his demeanor and how he approaches stuff and all that. He kind of has this like calm look to him, but just does not look like when he gets that opportunity, it's not the plan B guy that we can put in there and say, Hey, we can't open up this defense. Let's throw Divac in there. Nothing seems to change. And he had like, a couple of like, Huge goals, statue worthy, as Jamie would say. Yep. But I don't know. It is definitely probably time to move on. And going well, back what to I will Bar- say is it's telling that he has a tie with the John Moore University of Liverpool this year. Mm-hmm. He's trying to give back to the city because he knows it's time to move on for yep. him. And now tell me if I'm wrong, lads. I'm just chatting shit off the top of my head. But for me, as a striker, and I've played the game. I've played the game uh, since I was young. I was never a, a fantastic player, but I was a striker. Anyway, what I'm saying, what I'm trying to say is I think Divock is too much of an introspective person. He's too much of a thinker. He's a smart kid. Um, I think to be a successful clinical striker, you need a certain type of mentality like a a, not a go-getter or anything like that but you kind of need to be like a Jamie Vardy like a rabbit pit bull like somebody who doesn't really think about it just does it just feels just acts and I feel Divock Origi is a bit too contemplative it's a really good point Jamie and I I think Rodney Marsh one morning on one of his radio shows said like if a if you have a if the striker is the smartest player on your team you're in trouble. Your team's in trouble. Yeah. Because they can't think, they just do. And when yep. those predatory instincts set in, and that's what you need. So, like, whether you're a pit bull like Jamie Vardy, ready to start a fight with your sister over scoring that goal, or you're Rodney Marsh and you're ready to just get drunk with your neighbor's sister to score that goal. But either way, you have to have that mentality of just not giving two bleeps. Prime example, Jamie Vardy broke a Jamie Vardy broke a corner flag with a pride flag on. You know, that not not in any sort of bad humor or light. He just fucking done it. You know, he's a he's a goal scorer. He he just acts and you know, he probably paid the fine for that and, and done whatever community service or whatever. But my point is yeah. that's it. They 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 are predatorial instinct driven players think of Robbie Fowler think of Dirk Coit 
think of these types of players. They just hit the bars. They just it's it's in their DNA. They know where the fucking top corner is without even looking up, you know. See, here's the thing, though. Let me play devil's advocate for poor Divac over here. Is is that because he is not guaranteed a spot? I feel like if he goes to a team, because the dude knows where to be, and he has those instincts to finish. I mean, the the goal he scored against Everton when T Rex Pickford couldn't like get that ball off the bar, he has he goes there, and that's like a natural instinct thing to me for a striker. I wonder, I may be on his take, because like I say, I do like the kid. I hope he has a good career moving forward. I mean, it doesn't look like I don't think he'll be with us. But regardless, I feel like if he's on a team where he knows he's starting all the time and he's going to start next week regardless or the week after regardless, he is the man. Maybe he won't have to think as much and just do like Chris is saying. But coming off this bench, having limited minutes and making sure to make the most of the minutes – maybe just gets in his head and gets ends up being too much pressure for him. I mean, he's not, he's not getting younger either. So he probably does want an opportunity where he's going to be able to show what he can do on a weekly basis without worrying about if I don't score this week, I'm not playing again for like God knows how many months. And, and you guys might be right. The, uh, a, a transfer back, you know, uh, to the slow down French league, and maybe even going back to Lille, because it was where he was at Lille and we signed him and sent him back for the one year on loan. You know, they just coming off winning, um, winning the league. They're going to want to try to put their foot forward. We know that it's going to be almost impossible once PSG realizes that they actually, once the owner actually realizes they didn't win the league yet this year. And I'm not sure he's realized <laughs> it yet, or I think he would already fired Pochettino. Um, but once he realizes that they didn't win the league, he'll probably go out and buy three quarters of Europe anyways. So Lille would probably be smart to look for a player that one knows the system, knows the club and would be someone that the fans could get behind. Um, That might be the perfect type of uh, transfer out for him to give him a fresh start. Because I just go back to remembering watching him in that 2014 world cup and being so excited that I felt like Liverpool had just signed the best under 20 striker in the world. Yep. Yep. And it just, you know, just unfortunately the memories came, unfortunately the play never materialized to ever allow him to break in to our first team. So let me guys ask you guys this, and then we'll probably wrap it for the week over here. Now that we got to trigger out of where for talking about going back to DACA, put yourselves in the 22 year old shoes or his manager, his parents or whatever. And take yourself out of the equation as like a hardcore Liverpool fan. What would you guys honestly recommend to him? If he says, here are my options. And he gives Leicester scenario where, you know, body is there, but body is pretty ancient. I mean, he's not getting younger. Uh, so he will probably get more opportunities or coming to Liverpool where he might win trophies and stuff but the opportunity is going to come a lot more scarce, especially when he just sees Taki who went there from a similar situation. So take yourself out of the Liverpool equation. Assume you're not a Liverpool fan. If you're his parents, his uh, manager or whatever, what would you guys honestly recommend to a 22 year old kid? So Jamie, let's put you into that role here. Right. Well, this is the moment, you know, you fucked up, right? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> because guess what? 
if if your only two options are Leicester or Liverpool, you can't take yourself out of the Liverpool equation because any person worldwide, whether they be a soccer fan or not, you may have heard of Liverpool. You're never going to hear of Leicester. I think he's made a massive, massive mistake by going to Leicester. Not, I, I, he probably will get more minutes. But I'd, I, me, personally, I want to test myself against better players, the best opposition could. I, I don't know. I, I would have I stumped for Liverpool. How about you, Chris? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think I would have challenged myself. I, I like to believe that I would put myself up. And, and I think what it comes down to with me is, is we ask athletes, right, to, like, tell us what's on their mind and be brash and defiant. And then when they act that way, we're surprised. And he did the opposite. He had a chance to wear number nine for Liverpool someday. They were signing him to be their first new central striker. And it wasn't one for now. It was one for the future and now. So he knew, and Bobby Firmino is not getting any younger. So there was an opportunity for him to bet in, to learn Klopp's way, to build this thing forward with Harvey Elliott and with Cujo and with the young, great players at Liverpool and maybe build something for himself. And I feel like he looked at that lineup and said, I can't get into it. And for that, I think he saved us something because we don't need another player that questions whether they're good enough to play for Liverpool or not. We need players who believe I want Harvey Elliott on this roster next year. If he thinks he can unseat Mo Salah, I don't believe he can do it, but I need that 18 year old to believe that because that's what will allow him to become better than Ryan Giggs not just some winger playing in the Premier League. I want him to be an all-time great. And to do that, you have to have something in you. And I don't think that's learned. I think that that's there. And I think maybe Patson Daka doesn't have that. Man, I'll tell you what. It's going to be a freaking tough hospital in there freaking when somebody's a teenager in your guy's house. But, <laughs> see, I think I'm going to disagree only because he's 22. He is really, really young. And I think he still has that opportunity that we're talking about in terms of going to a big club. And, you know, he if he was going to Brantford, for example, let's go mm-hmm. back to, you know, Chris' example. I would agree with you guys. I think he's going to a club that is known for finding these people and then turning around and sending to a big club for 60, 70, 80 million. Uh, not some a club where people kind of like go to die in their careers, you know what I mean? Or like get, you know, fight a lot of relegation battle and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I think he will get more playing time and opportunity to kind of like show himself as opposed to if he's looking at it and saying, so I'm pretty much replacing this Divac guy and looking at D-Box minutes and saying, I don't know if I'm going to be able to even get a chance to show myself. Whereas he's 22, he goes to Leicester, plays a couple of good years. You know, everybody is going to be knocking down the door and he's going to be a $60, $70 million guy. Now, if he was, I think, 26, 27, I agree. I think that's when I want the guy to say, nope, this is me. I'm good shit. I'm going to come over there and play. I just feel like he's so young and he doesn't have any 
I mean, he's coming from the Australian League. So, you know, it's going to be a huge adjustment for him. I want, and I think that's why I asked it in terms of mm-hmm. not for him, but for like an agent or like a parent or somebody. I don't want to throw him in the pressure of adjusting to a new league, adjusting to a new country, and playing for a huge club and carrying that weight at the same time. That's a good Maybe point. my kids have it easier. I don't know. <laughs> Than your guys' kids ever will. <laughs> well, let me tell you this right now. If my kid ever has the opportunity to play for Liverpool, he or she will not have it easy because they will have one searingly <laughs> angered uh, father figure pointing them towards that contract. I'll just show up and sign it. I'll do the lean with them. <laughs> uh, hey, I'll tell you what, our kids, I don't think, would even ask because they would know the answer. <laughs> it just, they wouldn't even I'd, ask the question. I'd fucking forge it and get the hair transplant <laughs> right now. <laughs> I would put it in the claws somewhere for something in me as well. But well, oh, the plug gentlemen, the plugs through. Thank you for joining me this week. Thanks to all those listening. Uh, check out Chris's articles. He'll be writing it after every set of games. So if you're not able to watch these games, because they're always like middle of the day. Uh, so if you're not working from home and get to watch it like, you know, some of us do, uh, definitely keep an eye on that as he recaps like the performances. And then we got a bunch of like new stuff coming on the website as well. We're working on a brand new map. That's going to be something. So, Thanks to all for listening. And Chris, welcome aboard once again. Thanks for joining the podcast. Jamie, you did not capitalize on the lack of Bickler with the thing, <laughs> so you know he's going to talk shit next week. And we'll see you guys next week. Maybe we'll have Paul. He's in Michigan somewhere. I don't even know he'll be able to listen to this, so we should talk as much shit as possible just because I, he's uh, living the Unabomber lifestyle in a cabin in Michigan with no Wi-Fi or anything, so... Just get it he, out of the system. <laughs> he did. He did threaten that he would go to a Starbucks and give the Zoom meeting a call, but he he neglected to to remember the fact that I'd have to admit him anyway. <laughs> um, but knowing me, I probably would have if if he like he threatened was going to jump in singing the Origi song. <laughs> Thank you very so, much so for this, having me, guys. This was this a lot one's of fun. For you, Paul. Saturday night. <laughs> okay, people, let's wait for Victor to come back and counter. Hopefully, I'm sure he'll have a lot to say. Thanks again, guys, and see you guys all next week.